Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Good to be back. Feels like it's been a while. I was in, in on Friday doing the morning show. I had a crazy week last week, obviously. Everybody knows uh, it was our first week doing morning drive, something that was sprung on me last Friday at 1030. They're like, hey, uh, you want to do the morning drive show? I'm like, obviously. But I was supposed to be on vacation last week. And it was basically one of those vacations. This was It was just supposed to be a staycation where I'm taking care of my kids. It was the last week before my kids go back to school. So wild week. I'm I'm um, I'm pleading with uh with relatives and and uh, and moms and mother in laws and sister in laws and seeing if anybody can watch my little rats for a few hours while I go talk on the radio. Wasn't able to get it for Friday. Also Friday was an important day. It's Meet the Teacher Day, and I don't miss Meet the Teacher Day because I don't work at Morns as long as I have. I've never been able to take my daughter to her first day of school, but I always like taking her to Meet the Teacher. So. You know, I meet the teachers and I do the thing where, yeah, no, no, I think she's good. You know, my daughter and I debate whether or not we size up the teacher, whether we like it or not. So that's why I wasn't in on Friday. So it's good to be back. Uh, it's good to be talking some fights with you guys. If you uh, if you guys are new to this show, it is Fighters Fury here on 7 Night of the Ticket. We dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. We will tell uh, – one of the reasons I love this time slot is we will recap usually what went on the night before. Big fights typically happen on – Saturday night, if not maybe a Friday night, and the rarity that we get to preview something that happens on a Sunday. But last night we had UFC Uruguay, which was uh, which was interesting. I was like, man, Uruguay, we haven't been there in a while. I, they've never been there before, so interesting change of scenery. You had the women's flyweight title on the line, Valentina Shevchenko against Liz Carmouche. Yes, that Liz Carmouche from uh, the first woman to ever step inside the octagon. She lost to Ronda Rousey in Ronda Rousey's UFC debut uh, for the Women's Championship. And the big storyline with both of these ladies going into this fight was they had fought once before on the regional scene, Liz Carmouche getting the best of Valentina Shevchenko, and that this was happening at their natural weight class. So in a weird way, uh, what people kind of want to see with John Jones and Daniel Cormier, but tiny-sized. So this wasn't happening at 135 like that fight previously did. Women's divisions are are rapidly growing, and so this was happening for the 125 belt. Right now, Valentina Shevchenko, um, if not for Amanda Nunes, has argument for being the best woman fighter on the planet. Uh, so she is a solid number two, no doubt about that. It was odd. I did find that you know Valentina has been a really, really good, sh- a really good f- showcase fighter for them. And so this is a, a bit of a rando that they're just kind of throwing her on the UFC debut card uh, in, in Uruguay. I didn't really understand the placement of it. But hey, look, they have all these dates. They have the ESPN Plus. They have all of these platforms that they have to throw out there. If you're going to put one on, not free TV, but subscription streaming for five bucks a month, this is about as good as you're going to get. So that's the appeal of it. And I got to say, though, and I really don't like doing this with fights, especially main events. It was a really disappointing fight. It wasn't very good at all. Um, Just 
didn't feel like Carmouche was really in the in the mood to engage with Valentina. And why would you? The last time she was in the octagon, she head kicked her opponent to the next uh, to the next dimension. So people know what kind of danger she poses with all of her strikes. Um, she's a very intimidating fighter to go up there against. In and and that was something that was interesting about that is because Liz was going into this fight and saying, "I'm not intimidated." Maybe it's because we fought before. She doesn't have this this cloak of invincibility. And I bought a lot of that in the in the pre-fight buildup that these that these ladies were going out there and they were going to be really throwing down and Carmouche was going to try and put her to the ground and try and grind up the win and you know strike striker versus grappler in all senses. But it man, it really was a case of Carmouche did not want to even think about getting into that range. And when they did go to the ground, it was Valentina getting the best of it. So not the best, not the most memorable. I think if we, we look back on Valentina's exciting career, uh, this isn't going to be the ones that we chalk back to as the most memorable. Um, but that is what it is. Not every fight, not every main event is going to be a winner. It's really not. And I think that a lot of it spoke to Shevchenko and, and what she is turning into because for somebody to have that mentality going into these fights where they're saying, oh, I'm not intimidated. I've been in there with her before. Um, I, I have, I have, I have no no feelings that I can't go out there and execute my game plan. And to really feel like she was neutralized from the get go of wanting to get into that range and really strike with Valentina shows what kind of reputation she really is. That maybe you don't feel that from a mental standpoint, but even physically, you know that the dangers are there and that she's a much better fighter than she was when you guys fought long ago. And that's what she's bringing to the table. So. Uh, big props to Valentina Shevchenko again. Uh, she's kind of at this point right now. Look, like women's flyweight right now, it's uh, it's an interesting spot. I don't know who she goes with next as far as what's uh, what's going to be in line for Valentina, but she is really, really reigning over as uh, as as the lord of this division. That there's not many women who are bleeping with her, and you know, you look at it right now, and and there just really needs to be somebody who steps up. And we'll see what goes down with that because as far as super fights are concerned, you know, if she were to do that thing where she chameleons and goes into another division, you know, they've done the Amanda fight. They've done it twice. And as though, so, you know, one of them has been close, uh, there's not really anything there right now. Do they do something like where Jessica Andrade, do they bring her up and, and they do something like that? I don't know if they do cross titles with that or whatnot. But um, right now, Valentina looks... Uh, right now on top of the throne with not a lot of people to look down to as far as they're coming after her. So that was the main event from yesterday. Uh, Vicente Luque versus Mike Perry, that was the co-main event. Really entertaining fight. Highlighted by the last round where Vicente Luque hit a monstrous knee right into Mike Perry's nose. And if you haven't seen the photo, I'll retweet it right now, at Brennan underscore Tobin and at 790 the ticket so you guys can see this. It's one of the grossest noses you'll ever see. It, 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 he, imagine your three-year-old has Play-Doh and you say, son, I say to my son, Tommy, I say, make a face. And he, and he carves out a little face and he goes, daddy, this is the nose. That is what Mike Perry's nose looks like. As if it would be the, it would be the concept of a nose made with Play-Doh by a three-year-old. That is what his nose was turned into with this knee. And it was really, really grotesque. And Mike Perry definitely had an argument to win that fight. But if it was close and the judges see what was done and all the blood that's gushing out, it's kind of hard not to go Vicente's way. 
Interesting call out by him afterwards, calling out uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Not a lot of people will call out Wonderboy Thompson, but I think the smart move with that with Luke is you're in a position where you're going to take on a guy not a lot of guys want to fight, and he's a top 10 fighter, a guy who's been a title contender, a guy who's been on the cusp of winning championships, and he is just coming off a, a loss against Anthony Pettis, so you feel like he's a little bit vulnerable. You see some things that you could do there. Uh, really, really great way to pronounce yourself in the welterweight rankings, a tough division to make some noise in right now, a very packed top of the division as far as the title picture is concerned. You're on a big win streak. That's a smart, smart call out by him because if you think about everybody else, Woodley's not going to fight him. Covington's tied up with the title. Hori Masvidal, Leon Edwards, we'll get to them a little bit later. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, can't imagine that he wants to get in, in, into that game right now with him. Uh, Anthony Pettis is tied up. Nate Diaz is tied up. Um, so I just thought it was—I thought it was a smart call. Ben Askren and Damian Maya. Oof, that was a follow from from Ben Askren. I'm just looking at the rankings right now. They're going to be taking on each other. Robbie Lawler. Um, he just fought. So I thought it was a smart call out by Vicente. If he's looking for a dance partner, that's the place to go. So you have that last night, and then um, Volkan Uzdemir put on a and just an absolute great performance against Aliyah Latifi. Monster knockout. Really, really took his time, uh, set the range. He was devastating. Good knockout by him, good showing by him, um, as he's uh, he's always won or he probably wants to get back into that that title contention at, at 205. So good performance by him, and uh, it was a it was a scary knockout where he flatlines Elia Latifi up against the cage, hits him once, puts him to a knee, hits him again, puts him on his face. So it was uh, it was it was a really really rough showing for. Uh, Elio Latifi, but a great showing by Vulcan Uzdemir. So those are the main highlights from yesterday. Um, okay card, not nothing fantastic. As far as boxing was concerned last night, a uh, big showcase for Virgil Ortiz Jr. He stopped Antonio uh, or, or, Orozco in six rounds. He, sto- uh, he dropped him three times. And, you know, Virgil Ortiz is a guy people are very, very high on. Um, and, and, you know, Golden Boy is dealing with a lot of stuff right now. And we'll get into some of the stuff that's developing with Canelo Alvarez and some of the drama that's surrounding there as well later on in the show. But uh, that is one good thing they can feel about in a stressful week and couple of weeks it's been for them with their biggest star. So they had that um, as far as the boxing was concerned from last night. When we come back, we'll get into a a couple of big storylines that are happening in the boxing world. Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. Their rematch has been announced for December. But there is a lot of drama surrounding this location, where Ruiz stands with this, uh, Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua putting the pressure on. Did they launch this too too quickly? Is this not actually happening? So there's drama surrounding that. There's drama surrounding Canelo Alvarez and Jorge Masvidal with another just just a, just a beautiful rant. Uh, only the way that that Gamebred uh, can do it. It was absolutely fantastic. So we'll bring you that as well. Plus, of course, we have to get to UFC 241. Daniel Cormier, Stipe, Stipe Miocic, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz, Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa. Huge card coming up next weekend that we have to preview as well. We'll be back with more on Fighters Fury right after this. And welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 7 Night Ticket. You can text the show 67974. It's brought to you by AccidentLawFirm.com. One texter wants us to get into a lot of boxing, saying that boxing is in a better place than UFC. And I will. I, we have a lot of boxing news. The texter is right. We have a lot of boxing news to get into right now. Um, couple big stories, both involving some of the biggest draws in the sport. Both of them involving the zone broadcast fighters. 
I want to start with the heavyweight championship of the world because in the lineage of, of combat sports, there has not been a more prestigious title than being heavyweight, boxing heavyweight champion of the world. And to see what's happening with Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua is super disappointing as a boxing fan. And I know that part of this is going to come off as, you know, privileged American, only want things on your terms and at your time and at your leisure. But the announcement this week from DAZN and Matchroom Boxing that the rematch between Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua is going to be in Saudi Arabia on December 7th. Holy hell. Like, out of all the options we could have come up with, New York, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Great Britain, Wales, anywhere in there, London, of all these places we could have come to, we land in mother bleeping Saudi Arabia for the heavyweight championship of the world. Neither one with a national tie. Neither one of these guys having any reason to have that fight there other than a bunch of sultans offering a ton of dough to Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua to make this fight happen. There's been a couple of things that are weird about this. One, they have announced everything. DeZone, Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua, they're all posting up on here. Fights down, fights announced, ready to go. We've agreed upon it. Apparently, DeZone has agreed to do this fight on a very, very reduced rate because they're seven hours ahead of us. Who knows when the hell we're going to be able to broadcast this fight to the masses. You know, this, this is the thing that I find frustrating. You're the zone, and no fight has gotten you more publicity than Andy Ruiz knocking out Anthony Joshua. No fight, not even close. Not the Canelo fight, nothing you've done with Bellator. No fight has gotten you more play than Andrew Ruiz knocking out Anthony Joshua, who's already been a huge disappointment for the zone as far as broadcasting ratings are concerned and getting people to tune in and watch his fights. So if I'm John Skipper and I have just a couple of monster fighters who I'm supposed to convince boxing fans to fork over now $20 a month, $20. I'm lucky enough that I got to zone early. So I'm able to get it for 10 bucks a month for the rest of the year. But when January comes around, boop, going to 20. If you think I'm forking over 20 bucks a month to watch the heavyweight championship of the world at three in the afternoon, you're bad bleep crazy. And if you think this is a model for success, you're nuts. Now, from the side of Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua, who are going to be like, well, hello, love. You know, we have a contract out there. And AJ, you know, we offer a fight in Wales. We offer a fight in Wales. But Andy Ruiz, he don't want to fight in Wales. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight for this home field advantage that AJ so so desperately craves. And I'm a big Anthony Joshua fan, have been for a while. Not the biggest Eddie Hearn fan in the world. But the idea that you have a guy in Andy Ruiz 
fat fighter comes in there. You don't even think there's a lick of chance in the world he's going to knock you out. And all he keeps doing is putting the heavyweight champion of the world on his ass repeatedly, time after time after time. You go from dismissing that guy like a bug, boop, not even worried about it, to now you got to have a home field advantage for this. You think you lost that fight because it was in New York? That's why you lost to Andrew Ruiz? Are you, are you bleeping kidding me? And so, short-sighted as it is, let's say you do need the home field advantage if it's that important to you. You're in an arms race right now to have your fighter be looked upon as the legitimate heavyweight champ of the world. Do you want Anthony Joshua? Because this isn't going to f- affect people in England. There's a two-hour difference. I mean, they're fine. There's the Saudi Arabia and, 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 and England. There's, like, no difference. But correct me if I'm wrong. Is Anthony Joshua not already a monster star in England? Is he not looked upon as, as one of the biggest athletic icons by his people over there? This dude needs to fix his fix his image over here in America. He needs to fix his image to the broadcast masses over here. The places that fork out the dough to watch him fight, to get to that next level, to have people care about you. And you're going to stick this fight in, in Saudi Arabia, which also has huge controversy around it. Let's say there are women who work for DAZN. You know, let's just say they're on the production staff. Let's say that there are publicists. They're just supposed to go over in Saudi Arabia and just go by the rules. That's cool. That's 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 cool. Or if there's anybody you know on the on the on the staff of DAZN who's of uh, of who's of you know same sex marriage or any of that stuff, they're supposed to go over there with all the human rights issues that are going over with Saudi Arabia. That's just cool. That's let's just roll with that, huh? So not only does it look unbelievably greedy on Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua's part because they're apparently not sharing this pie with Andy Ruiz. They're like, oh, sorry, love. You signed a $9 million contract. That's what you're going to get. This is the heavyweight bleeping champ of the world, Andy Ruiz, and you're going to try and stick him to a to a rematch clause. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Who got the belts? Who's got them? So I get it. You're going to use whatever advantage you can to try and get those belts back. But I got to tell you, man, this is such an unbelievably soft look by both of those guys. And no one on here on the radio is calling the heavyweight champ of the world, uh, calling him a soft or not tough. But I'm saying the move is soft. That's a soft move to go out there and put this fight on the other side of the planet where no one's going to watch it, no one's going to care. And if you beat Andy Ruiz like you should have in the first place, like everyone thought you were just, would done in the first place, man. No one's gonna watch that. No one's gonna care. It's gonna be. It's gonna be brushed aside. So I guess when then when it turns into a trilogy, if it turns if it turns into a trilogy, then you'll have it over here where people can actually watch it. I mean, think about this. Andrew Ruiz from California. All right. This fight, ten hours difference from where it is. They're supposed to support this. What are we talking about here? What, 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 what are we doing with the sport where you can't figure out the heavyweight championship of the world? Bad enough 
that I can't get Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury in a ring. And who the hell knows who Tyson Fury just announced he's fighting? It's bad enough I have that. But the fact that you have this fight on the other side of the planet, we just got the belts away from the Klitschko's. We got we were supposed to be away from this nonsense. This fight, I mean, to, to say you're not going to do this in New York again, scene of the crime, or or heaven forbid, Anthony Joshua step foot in 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 the mecca, the 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 fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, and have this fight. I mean, what a missed opportunity it is. We'll switch over to the Canelo thing in a second. What a missed opportunity it is to make all the money in the world where you have Andrew Ruiz, the first Mexican-American heavyweight champion, first ever. You have Canelo Alvarez unable to secure Mexican Independence Day weekend, September 14th. What home run it would have been to put this fight when you when you got a whiff. If you were smart, Eddie Hearn, the zone, if you got a whiff that there wasn't going to be able to be a Canelo fight September 14th, you should have rushed to make it happen to where Andy Ruiz could have fought Anthony Joshua September 14th, that weekend, Mexican Independence Day weekend, in Las Vegas. You should have ran to make that happen. And instead, you're going to go do this, fill your pockets with Sultan money, in a place that's cut off to half the population of the world. I, 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 God knows what time. And DAZN is just going to be like, I mean, all right, we'll do it. But if you're a DAZN customer right now, how? And, and this is where they want to break in. They want to break in in America. I know that they have international success and a lot of people have DAZN all over the world. But correct me if I'm wrong. The reason they give Canelo Alvarez a $300 million deal is because they want to break the mold in America. Call me crazy. They're run by John Skipper, who used to run the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. There's a reason they hire him, because the guy's been in charge of the most important sports broadcasting entity on the planet. So now he's going to try and take that formula and do what he can over here. And his most recognizable athletes, one of them can't get a fight in Canelo Alvarez. He's beefing with his promoter. And the other one is taking his damn broadcast and putting it over in Saudi Arabia because he feels he needs some home field advantage? I, it, it just it, it doesn't process to me as a boxing fan how you guys can screw this up. So to the texter who says boxing is in a much better place than the UFC, where you may be right in saying that they have bigger stars at a numbers count than the UFC right now, I wouldn't argue that. The problem being right now is that none of them can get in the ring with one another. None of them. And it should be layups. They should be taking this with all of the platforms and all of the networks coming to them saying, please, boxing, there's not enough live sports out there. You're the only one, please. And them taking their hogs out and whizzing all over you and saying, oh, yeah, sorry, we're going to do this over in the Middle East. I mean, how how, how are these broadcasting ads? How is John Skipper? Not telling Eddie Hearn to kick the sharpest of rocks. You're telling me that Anthony Joshua needs to have this in a temporary outdoor stadium. Oh, uh, by the way, let's let let let's let's wrap our minds around that for a second, dum dums. Anthony Joshua. You know, people talk about his shortcomings. They say, "Oh, the guy doesn't use a jab. He doesn't fight big enough for his size." Nah, 
the biggest problem with Anthony Joshua is he's got all them muscles and he can't pump them through 12 rounds. So let's put it outside in the desert and hope that's going to be better for him in the long run in a fight. Is this the dumbest plan in the world anybody's ever heard of? So it's not good for boxing fans, especially in America. It's not good for Andy Ruiz because he's getting bleeped with the money. It's not good for DAZN. And strategy-wise, I don't think this is good for Anthony Joshua because he's fighting in the desert in an outdoor stadium, reportedly. So is this only good for Eddie Hearn? Is he getting lined with... Is, is he becoming a sultan? Who is this good for? Who? I'd like to know. Who thinks this is a good idea? How is this possible that this gets through every level and everyone's looking around and be like, you like this? You like this? This is this is, this works for everybody? And Ahern just say here, I love it, love. I, lo- I love it, love. I love it. Of course you do. Because you don't got to get in that ring. And if this may be AJ's last ride, at least you got all that, that Scrooge McDuck, that vault full of gold, whatever the hell you're getting from the Sultans over there. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because this may be AJ's last ride. We're back after this. It's... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Ah, welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you. The Exec Show 67974. It's brought to you by AccidentLawFirm.com. Text to in. You can call AJ Soft. I hate him. I'm a wilder guy. That's cool. I, I, do, I do genuinely have enjoyed watching Anthony Joshua fight. I actually don't like the fact that what happened to him with Andy Ruiz is everybody calling him a fraud because I feel like he's been an entertaining fighter um, and has had a nice resume, but I'm tired of this song and dance. It's like all of a sudden you got to protect him uh, like a mother hen. And also, what what really, the thing that's, that's most frustrating about it is his promoter is protecting the golden eggs, not even really the baby chick. That's that's the thing that's, that's upsetting with it. Um, I'll just quickly mention the Canelo Alvarez thing because I do want to get into a couple of things. Jorge Masvidal had an awesome rant. I need to get to that, and we need to get to UFC 241. Um, Canelo Alvarez, here's where things stand. So they're not good. There's a, there's a lot of stuff flying around there right now that Canelo Alvarez, we talked about this last week uh, when the news came out that he was uh, he was not happy with his IBF title getting stripped, and Seaman and I talked about, like, is there a chance that he's going he's gonna to try and get away from uh, from Golden Boy? Because it seems like that that relationship's in a bad spot right now. Really, really bad. Um, I was listening to uh, Chris Mannix's Mannix's podcast with uh, Kevin Ioli. Apparently, he's, like, only speaking to Golden Boy's publicist. Um, And they were talking about the idea that, yeah, that Kevin Ioli thinks a lawsuit is coming. I saw some other rumors that he may try and get $30 to buy himself out of his Golden Boy contract. Um, So that's, you know, keep an eye on that. That's not in a good place right now. Uh, as, As we mentioned it last week, and... It seemed like, yeah, maybe that's too crazy. He got that huge deal with the zone, but maybe it's not that crazy. And the other thing is, this this news came out this week, mentioning Mexican Independence Day weekend. 
Uh, Golden Boy announced this week that Jaime Munguia is going to be defending his title. And he's going to be doing it on September 14th. So I really would say that that's not going to sit well with Canelo Alvarez. So, so let me get this straight. You're not only not giving me that weekend and you screwed up multiple opponents, but also you're putting on your young buck, Jaime Munguia, who, by the way, I mean, that last fight that he had against Dennis Hogan didn't win. I'll say it. He didn't win and should be fighting the guy again. Said he would in the back. We've seen the Peter Kahn show me the video of it. He's put it out there now uh, media-wise, so I'm, I'm happy to share that. Um, but you're doing – okay, so you're not going to do it against a, a fighter who almost beat you. You're going to just be doing this random fight against Patrick Alatui, uh on September 14th, which, okay. But that's not going to say well to Canelo that you gave – not only did you did you screw up his big money weekend, but you gave it to one of your other fighters. That's that, that's going to be a rough look. I can't imagine that's going to sit well with him either. All right, before we get into UFC 241, I want to swing back. Last night you had the UFC in Uruguay. Jorge Masvidal was one of the guests. He was one of the guests there and held a little court. Now, the last time we heard from Masvidal, he was on the Dan Levitard show, I believe. I don't think he's done any media other than that. And he made it clear. This is what I want. Title shot or Conor McGregor. Now, Dana White came out this week and he said, listen, you don't make ultimatums and you're not going to get the Conor McGregor fight. Dana says that he's too big, doesn't like the fight. Obviously, they're going to do everything they can to try and build Conor back up if he has any fight future. We don't really know how long he's going to be out there doing this thing. Um, so what is what is out there for, for George? What does make sense? Um, could one of the fights be what's coming up this weekend? You know, a, a Masvidal-Nate Diaz fight. If Nate Diaz comes out and wins this fight uh, against Anthony Pettis, could it be Anthony Pettis? I don't know. Uh, Anthony Pettis might be a little bit weird because I think they're rep by the same people. Uh, they're both rep by by first-round management, so that might be a little bit strange. But it doesn't uh, – there's nobody else that really makes a lot of sense. So maybe George just sits in and he waits it out. Maybe he just sits there and he finds out when Colby and when Kamaru Usman fight in November – you know, unless it's like an all-time classic, I can't imagine that those two are going to put forth the most exciting fight in the world. So maybe that results in him getting to fight the winner of that. I don't know. Um, the other place is Leon Edwards. Now, Leon is now number four in the world. George is three. And I understand Masvidal not wanting the Leon Edwards fight because he doesn't want to punch down. He wants to go up. So what do you do? <laughs> You're in this weird spot of, all right, do I wait out the title picture and run the risk of, you know, maybe Leon Edwards does something crazy, like knocks out Tyron Woodley, you know, something wild. Uh, or do I just fight the guy again and make myself completely undeniable? I feel like George Masvidal's star power right now is as high as anybody in the sport that's not named Conor McGregor. I really do. Maybe Daniel Cormier and John Jones because they're just guys people are familiar with and have been around for a while, but nobody's star has risen more than Masvidal's. It's, it, I really don't even think it's close. And as we mentioned last segment, UFC's in need of stars. You know, Boxing, I think, isn't a good place with having young stars, even though there's a problem with these guys fighting each other. I think they're in a good place with talent and recognizable talent. Uh, and, and I think we've seen some pretty good pay-per-view success. So, 
Masvidal's in this weird place where he's they're gonna go with Kobe Covington versus Kamar Usman. I don't love it. I'd love I'd love to see George get the shot right now because I just feel like that makes for a more exciting title fight. And and I and I'm fully happy telling you I'm a Miami Homer, and that's what I want. I want to see the Miami fighter get the title shot. So this is where George runs into a problem. He did something last night where I think, unfortunately, he just talked me into wanting me to see him fight Leon Edwards, and I really wasn't into seeing it. I was into seeing him getting Conor McGregor. I don't think that's going to happen. If, if, if everybody's telling the truth there, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. He was saying last night that he's not upset with the UFC, that he has a, there's a lot of options out there, and that they're going to put the biggest fights together, and that's all he's wanted. So... Now, we're standing at this point where, okay, he's kind of got to either wait out the title thing or does he fight Leon Edwards? And I wasn't into the Leon Edwards fight until this happened last night. He's saying that you're, you're turned down fights with him. Is that accurate? Did the UFC reach out to you? To... The UFC hasn't put a contract in front of my face with Leon's anything because they know we're not about petty shit. I'm only looking up. I already, I, when, when they first offered me to fight in England, I said, who's the best guy that I could get my hands on over there? And they said, Till. And I said, that's him. Let's let's do it. And what did I do? I got on a plane. I went over there and gave it all I had. I fight. I like to fight, you know. Um, Leon then was still is in my opinion. I'm going to kick his ass. It's not going to be on his terms or whenever he wants it. It'll always be on mine. And that's what bothers him so much inside. He's got to look at this interview where people are going to call him and tell him, you're nobody i run the show you listen to me when i say i'm gonna kick your ass i'll kick your ass and i'm gonna get paid now like i said 16 years i've been chasing this dream of getting the belt you think i'm gonna let some bug like this guy even slightly throw me off my my road my destiny towards my greatness towards the belt i'm gonna get the belt and i'm gonna eliminate him off the face of the earth i'm gonna wipe the floor with that guy it's gonna happen i swear to you it's gonna happen it's just not gonna be on his terms damn well, I don't want to see the fight. He's already... This is the thing. Leon Edwards, he's going to be super unlikable, especially to all of us down here. I swear to God, if you're from Miami uh, or, or if you care about Miami and you want to see George fight... The, 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 the arrogant British dude who talks a lot of bleep, who's already, who's already been served a three-piece in a soda by George Masvidal, there's no way you're not going to like that fight. He continues. George goes on... He, Here's the rant as he was not done. He has been winning kind of a lot. He's been pretty happy. I'm so happy that he's winning, and I'm so happy that maybe somebody might think that he's a fight worthy because everybody was saying Ben is an amazing fighter before I fought him and all this grappling stuff. But after a five-second disaster, saying he was overrated. I want him to say the same thing. I'm going to beat Leon so bad they're going to say the same about him. They're going to say he's overrated. And there's not one bone in my body. There's not nothing in my body that is not agreeing with what I'm saying, I'm going to murder that guy when we fight. He's a scrub. You are a scrub, Leon, and you know it. And the fight will take place when the I say so. So sit there and eat that words. Oh, we'll break that guy's face, man. Interviews are over, man. You guys got me all hyped up. George Masvidal is too good at this. He's too good at promoting. He doesn't know it or he doesn't try it. It's just... The personality that he brings to all of these media sessions, he's just him, and now you want to see him fight Leon Edwards. Like, admit it. Now you want to see that fight. And 
Maybe he could do that with anybody. He probably could. Um, but you could just tell it's super genuine there. It is, man, it it, it really just it, it puts you in the position where you're just like, yeah, uh, uh, oh, he, he wants to do what? He wants to just break his face? Okay, I'm in. I want to – it's sold. So now George is in this weird conundrum where, okay, we can wait for his next fight, and hopefully it's a title shot, or, or maybe we fly Leon Edwards' ass over here, we go to 601 Biscayne Boulevard, and we say, hey, Triple A, why don't we host ourselves a number one contender fight on ESPN for Jorge Masvidal and Leon Edwards, and winner gets a title shot. Boom. You could do that because he just talked you into it. He just made that a thing. Now, maybe he does wait out the title fight. If he does, let's look at timeline. If it is Masvidal and he is going to wait out the title fight, title fight's probably going to be in November. They're talking about Madison Square Garden. So that's November. Realistically, fights again in, let's say, February, March. That's not that long away. For a dude who's fought for 16 years and he puts a break from July to March, we've, we've had crazier breaks. I don't know how often Masvidal has to fight. I don't know what his situation is with that. But um, it's not that long a wait if he were to wait out the title shot from this point to uh, from July all the way to March or February maybe. That's not that crazy a wait. He just is, but there is a risk with that. Like when you are in those situations, um, you know, maybe Covington and maybe Kamar Usman have an absolutely dynamic fight. It's a classic. Have to do it again. Maybe it's controversial. They have to do it again. You never know. You never know. So if that is the case and that does happen in November, I think unfortunately for George, he just sold you so good on wanting to beat Leon Edwards' ass that. They're probably going to have to do it. But if you are going to do it, you should do it down at the AAA. I'm just saying. Give the If you're going to do right by the guy and you want to make a lot of money, give Jorge Masvidal his hometown fight. Give it to him. Don't be one of these things where we're like, oh, I don't know what to do with him. Put him on a pay-per-view. I guess you could put him in November if you wanted to put that on the same card as Colby Covington and, and Kamar Usman. If you wanted to sell tickets, he's going to be that thing where he's going to lift up the card once again. But for my for my money, I mean, if you want to make a lot of money, and it's weird that Dana White doesn't want Jorge Masvidal fighting for the title or fighting Conor McGregor. I didn't know that Dana White started hating money all of a sudden. It's a weird thing. Um, but if he decides he, he, he doesn't hate money anymore, then do that title fight over at the American Airlines Arena or do that fight between him and Leon Edwards over at the American Airlines Arena. Boom. You're welcome. Welcome to your bank account, Dana. And I'll see you at the next press conference. Sweet talking, yeah. Uh, let's get to UFC 241. Here's what we got coming up next week. Biggin. Biggin. A big trilogy of fights coming up on this one. Very exciting. Weight gods, please have nobody miss weight. I ask you now, please. I bless you. I bless you. I will offer a sacrifice. I don't know what that sacrifice is, but I will offer something. Please have everybody make weight for this fight. Amen. All right. Let's do the three fights. We got Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa. Everyone's going to look at this fight and be like, Look at those damn bodies. They don't look au natural. I think Pablo Costa just had a six-month slap on the wrist for some kind of weird stomach supplement. We know Masvidal. Masvidal is so great that when he passed for when he passed for a PED test, he has the company that he popped because of it for owe him $27 million. I don't know if he's going to get $27 million. I have a high uh, – I, I got a belief that any supplement company that's that shady 
probably doesn't have that kind of money in the bank, but he won the lawsuit. So why not love him? You want to talk about Miami Zone? Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. You think I'm not going to pick Yoel Romero? You're crazy. But this is a dynamic fight, man. You want to talk about two absolute badasses at 185 pounds? I guess the big question for Yoel, it's just a question of him making weight. Hopefully that is not an issue again. Um, but, man, these guys, they've been circling around each other like a – it's like a – this is this, – I mean, Yoel Romero versus Jorge, uh, versus Paulo Costa. Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. It is – it's like a tiger shark versus a bull shark, man. It, it, it You know, I don't want to call them a couple of great whites – because they're not that, but it, it's like the two of the most vicious attack predators circling. If you filled that cage up with water and theoretically that water wouldn't leak out the fence because it's a cage, that's a bad analogy. Listen, it's an awesome fight. I can't wait for it. We've been waiting for this forever. It's just, for whatever reason, it's just, it hasn't happened. This was rumored to be the main event fight back when they were at the BB&T Center. It was, uh, it was disappointing that that didn't happen because of all the Paulo Costa stuff that was going around with him. But I'm, I'm so glad it's finally happening. I think that the, these two are going to be jawing at each other a lot. There's no love lost between them. Can't wait for it. Then you have Anthony Pettis versus Nate Diaz. Holy bleep. Can't wait for this. Finally, the return of Nate Diaz. It's been long awaited. I The real question of this is, look, Anthony Pettis looked absolutely amazing the last time he was out there. Really, really did. Doing what he did to Wonderboy Thompson. Nobody's done that uh, like that. And the idea that these guys are going to square off is so tremendous. The big question is, if Nate Diaz wins this fight, what is the interview going to be like? It really is. Like, what is what is his end game after this? Because it's he's such he's like this weird enigma. You don't know. Is he going to call out Conor McGregor? Is he going to call out Habib? Is he going to call out uh, Kamara Usman? What is Nate Diaz's end game after this? Um, these guys are going to throw down uh, the bit. You know, with Nate, he never gets tired. Big size advantage. I feel like with him, uh, can can just absolutely take a pounding and. With with Anthony, can he hit something dynamic that's really going to flip the switch on him? Sometimes he gets into these wars of attrition with guys that just keep coming and coming and coming, and eventually he just peters out from those. And that's where I think he's going to run into an issue against Nate Diaz. So I'm going to take Nate Diaz in his return against that one. And then the main event, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship of the world rematch. Daniel Cormier cleaned his clock the last time these guys fought. On the break, inside, monster hook, put down Steve Miocic, a guy who was the longest reigning heavyweight champion of all time, and they're finally going to do it after all the Brock Lesnar talk, after all the John Jones return to heavyweight talk. Steve gets his fight. This is a guy who is absolutely tremendous, doesn't really have a weakness, but got caught flush. Um, the thing that's going to be interesting with this is Daniel Cormier's other other tools. You know, It was a very, very competitive first fight. Does he, does he go back to the wrestling well? Um, because the odds that he hits a shot like that on Stipe, man, I don't think that they're great. Uh, just landing flush like that, but can he can he outgear him? The other thing that's interesting about DC is, man, there's so much retirement talk. There's so much talk about the next step. There's so many responsibilities on his plate. The John Jones stuff that hangs overhead. How much longer does he want to drag this out in his career? This is a guy who was talking retirement, had injuries. That stuff worries me, man. And nobody has wanted this fight. Nobody has wanted a rematch more than Stipe. 
and it's it's what he eats, he breathes, he sleeps. This match against DC, it's all he's been thinking about is getting the chance to fight him again. And with DC, I do wonder if that's that's been the case. I mean, he's kind of out. He's admittedly had one foot out the door. We are. He was going to retire by the plan in April. We're now in August. You know that that has to have some concern for you. So I'm going to go with Stipe. I think Stipe is going to win this fight. I'm going to go by decision. I think he wins this fight. Um, just worries me. Just worries me that DC has kind of had one foot out the door and. Everybody's asking him all this retirement stuff and does he want John Jones again? And he seems to kind of waffle on it. I don't think he really I don't know if he wants a fight after this fight. I don't know. I don't I know people will convince him, but I don't think he wants one. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go Stipe, Nate Diaz, Yoel Romero. Those are my picks. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your show. Zach Duarte is coming up after Russ. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Talk to you tomorrow morning, six to ten AM with Leroy and Beast.